Before the first beer of the tailgate is cracked, before the fans swarm the stands, and before the Hawkeyes take the field, KGYM Sports Radio breaks down this weekend's Iowa football game. This is Before the Boom. Before the Boom. Here's your host, Spencer Wagen. Welcome to week two of the Before the Boom podcast here from KGYM. We welcome you back in as we look ahead to the Cyhawk game. Much anticipated game as the Hawkeyes look for their seventh straight victory over Iowa State. We'll get into that and more coming up on this week's edition of the show, but we uh, first need to go around the table and tell people who we are. My name is Spencer Wagen, host of Spencer on Sports, weekday afternoons at 2 here on KGYM, joined by the show that follows me, the gym class, Scott Unash and Mark Dukes. Uh, from 3 until 4, and then uh, one half of the Todd Brommelkamp show with Alex Kuhn, Mr. Todd Brommelkamp to my right. Guys, uh, well, that was certainly was a football game on Saturday. The Hawkeyes getting it done uh, against South Dakota State. 7-3, to three, uh, people looked at that box score, and we've all probably said this at one point or another on our shows this week. We looked at the box score, people might say, hey, Iowa, Iowa scored a touchdown, but... Uh, that that wasn't the case. A field goal and two safeties, uh, getting getting the job done uh, against uh, the Jackrabbits last week. Before we dive into the Cyhawk matchup uh, for for this week, how do you make sense of what happened in Kinnick Stadium last Saturday? A, a crazy finish, but a win is a win, right? I think so. Uh, do you do you put too much credence into it? I mean, that's the question, and that's been the question on Monday or Tuesday, I should say, all through the week. And yes and no, I guess. It's the first game of the year. You're going to have some situations that aren't going to go exactly to plan. We've known from the past that Kirk Ferentz, for the most part, has had very conservative game plans in the non-conference games, as well as the, especially the first game of the year. Last year was a little bit of an outlier with Indiana and opening up with, the, with Big Ten play. But um, as I've worked through the week, I have – I've think I've gotten away from the cliff a little bit <laughs> more than uh, you know Tuesday and you know ready to go for what should be a very interesting game what's going to happen Saturday I have no idea I really don't have any idea it's very odd and there's no question about it um, very rarely have you seen a game like this uh, whether it's been in Iowa City or elsewhere it's it's a combination of things. It was poor offensive line play on the part of Iowa, mediocre quarterbacking, conservative play calling, very good South Dakota State defense. Sounds odd, but I never got a, 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 a thought that I was was going to lose the game. The way Tory Taylor was punting, mm-hmm. I, I was playing on defense, but it was very odd. I have nothing more to say about last week's game <laughs> that has not already been said. One and zero, right, Tom? I think it, they're one and zero, and I think you know. Would you rather be? We talked a lot about Charlie Jones last week and the game that he had for Purdue, but they lost that game. Mm-hmm. So, would you rather put up a ton of points and lose, or or win seven to three? I'm not here justifying it and defending it and saying it was a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but I was been there, done it uh, before. The name, I'll, we can go around the room here. I'll ask you guys this. 
Name me the last Kirk Ferentz team that started the year week one looking gangbusters. Mm. That's your hope if you're right. an Iowa fan. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll find out more today. Yeah, we certainly will. And I know uh, it's the, you had the the clip from from Kirk Ferentz, and there was a lot of discussion about the uh, was it the 2009 season, right? Uh, uh, the game against Northern Iowa with the two blocked field goals. Uh, you know, and then the very next week, and maybe we can talk about any parallels there might be of the Hawkeyes going out and being beating Iowa State. Was it 35-7 or 35-3 or whatever it was? 35-3. 35-3. The, the following week. I don't think that's going to happen here in 2022. But, you know, there, as Todd said, the the Iowa football, uh, the, the, the M.O. in those those opening games, whether it be a win or a loss, it, it's it's never fully crisp, fully executed, fully... Uh, you know, 100% the way they want to play. And I, I, I'll i repeat it again, and probably be the final time I say it this week, they got the win, and it's time to move on. And uh, just based on, you know, all the interaction we've had on our shows this week, fans are, are not ready to move on because of how poor the performance was or how subpar the performance was. But again, a win is a win, and they're one and zero, and they're heading into a, a much stiffer challenge this week. But uh, a rivalry matchup that uh, that uh, you've owned for the last uh, six games, and looking for uh, looking for a seventh straight win. Yeah, when Iowa, Todd, maybe you can help on this. When when Iowa and South Dakota signed a contract, I don't know that South Dakota State was national championship caliber mm. in FCS. I don't know when that contract was signed. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they've made the playoffs 10 years straight. Yeah. So I think Iowa Iowa has approached these games, uh, for the most part, you and I, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. If you're going to play an FCS-level team, play a decent one. They play, I think, Eastern Illinois a decade ago or so. Was they played not a, Maine before and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. But, I mean... They they knew that they were in for a stiff test, and we talked about South Dakota State mm-hmm. all last week. I just don't think anybody quite anticipated what we saw Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. Some of us are still trying to process it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you talked about punting, and we talked about punting with Tory Taylor, a career-high 10 punts for 479 yards against South Dakota State, seven inside their own 20. And you know, I was there. Scott, I know you were there. Todd, you were in the press box for, for a portion of the game, too. The MVP chants were were uh, were loud. So were the boos at Kinnick Stadium uh, in in Saturday's uh, win over South Dakota State. But uh, uh, really, truly, the MVP of that game and what kept Iowa in the game and kept them on the right side of the scoreboard. Uh, special teams and defense, and that's that's really nothing new. That's what we expected uh, from from this Hawkeye team going into twenty twenty two. It was remarkable. Um, each punt, you just shook your head. Wow, mm-hmm. he did it again. And he did it again. It set up the first safety by Jack Campbell, uh, by the ball going down at the one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tory Taylor, the defense, and a tip of the hat to the crowd. I thought that was a big factor. Crowd was into it when Iowa was out on the field defensively, especially in it when the punt team was out there. I know that's crazy to say, <laughs> and that was one of the factors that went into the game on Saturday being one of the craziest that I've, no matter what level that I've ever attended. Um, because the people, when Iowa had the ball in offense, 
were you know making their way down to buy another beer or whatever the case may be. When they were punting, everybody was on their feet and wondering, okay, is he going to put it out at the half-yard line this time? I don't know. <laughs> but it was amazing. Your perspective on, on the punting, Todd. This is such a Big Ten pod qu- podcast This is a very Big Ten <laughs> podcast at this point. I mean, where would they be without Tory Taylor? Uh, he has the ability to to do things with a football that I just don't know if we've ever seen anybody do before. And I was you said I was in the press box for part of the game. I had a family emergency and, and had to leave, so I was listening to the Hawkeye Radio Network on the way back, and he was the player of the game. They talked to him afterwards, and Dolphin Eddie said, without giving away any trade <clears throat> secrets, you know, can you talk about how it is that you do what you do? I mean, I, we've seen good punters before. We've never seen anybody do what he's able to do. And if I were Iowa, I would wrap him in bubble wrap the minute that the game is over. Because if anything happens to him, this game, look, if they're as good defensively as we think they could be this year, and with Tory Taylor able to pin teams inside the 20 perpetually, I only see two, maybe three games on their schedule that if they can't eke out 14 points, they can't win. I mean, the Ohio State game, maybe the Michigan game, and maybe the Iowa State game this Saturday. Other than that, if the defense can hold all those teams to 14 points, I think Iowa's got a shot to win. In, in golf vernacular, it's like Tory Taylor has a rangefinder in his head. <laughs> okay, I need 58 yards to get it to the five. Right. Uh, we're in a gap wedge today. Yes, we are. And... Darn if he doesn't do it. It's quite remarkable. <laughs> yeah, and, and the people with the Australian flags are great, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just, that's a plus. That's a plus right there. Well, you'll probably see him this way. He's got family coming. He does. First for time. For the game. First time they've ever yeah. been to a college football game. He said on Tuesday that he was trying to warn them about just how insane the atmosphere is going to be. <laughs> so if you see the Australian flags Saturday at Kinnick Stadium, it's probably Tory's family. The Australian tailgate, if you see that on, on Melrose, uh, down in oh, Iowa City. On the Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy stat, too, uh, that was put out the Iowa Sports Information Office. There's, you know, the T-shirt slogan, punting is winning. They have six wins, the Hawkeyes do, since 2020 when punting eight or more times in a game. Six wins when punting eight or more times. That that shouldn't really compute in our heads, right? Because if you're punting eight or more times in a game, it says that yeah, maybe your offense isn't getting things done. You know, you're running into some some roadblocks, but they they're winning games. And uh, Tory Taylor, not you know directly solely responsible. Saturday he was uh, for that, but they're they're winning games, and uh, it's a, a big credit to uh, to the performance of the defense and the special teams. I don't want to gloss over uh, the defense too much, but they certainly did their job. Uh, we talked about on last week's show uh, the the uh, the offensive uh, weapons for South Dakota State, a quarterback who had led them to uh, to uh, FCS championship game in the spring season, uh, the Yankees. Uh, uh, tight ends, a great running back. Um, but they held uh, South Dakota State in check. In fact, 120 total yards surrendered by the uh, Iowa defense on Saturday in that uh, win over South Dakota State. For all the things that went wrong on the offense, we'll talk about that here in just a moment, the uh, the defense especially did its job and uh, is, is a strong suit for this team again. Right, and and the fact that, yeah, they turned it over twice. And right. Kirk was a little yep. peeved about minus two in that uh, department. But 
I only had two penalties. You don't beat yourself. Um, and that's been a you know something that Kirk Ferentz has talked about since he since he got here. Um, as long as you don't beat yourself as far as penalties, turnovers in big situations. One of the turnovers did lead to a field goal right at the end of the first half, but still, um, you know you can certainly live with two uh, as far as penalties are concerned. Let's let's talk about the elephant to the room as you're listening to the Before the Boom podcast here uh, with the KGYM crew uh, getting ready for the Cyhawk game and the offense. This will transition into our conversation about uh, the uh, the Cyhawk game, uh, at least part of it here for uh, this week. The offense was not good uh, and uh, a lot of questions surrounding it. Uh, a lot of questions uh, surrounding uh, uh, the coaching staff. A lot of questions surrounding the performance and. Uh, 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 of Spencer Petrus and whether he should remain the starting quarterback. Uh, just go around the room and, and give me your level of concern uh, for this Iowa offense. I know we kind of talked about that going into last week, but very few of the questions were answered. In fact, there might be more questions than answers uh, coming off that uh, that win over South Dakota State. Your level of concern for this offense after one week, guys, uh, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think it's still an open book in my mind. Uh, there's no questioning that Petrus was not good. His fundamentals were not good. Um, when they were, uh, he, he threw that dart to Arlen Bruce over the middle. When they weren't, he missed Alec Wick wide open mm-hmm. and, and threw high balls. And I, I find it hard to believe for a guy <clears throat> who's experienced as he is Went to the Manning passing camp in the summer, apparently to work on his fundamentals, mm-hmm. that right out of the chute, maybe he's a practice player. I don't know. He's had his moments. His record as a starting quarterback is very, very good. I don't have it in front of me, but it's very good. He's 14-6 and six yeah. as a starter. Yeah, And a lot of that's defense, right? And special teams. A lot of those wins are defense <laughs> mm-hmm. and special teams. Um, give me a couple games on Petrus. I went up to DEFCON 3. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite five yet. But <laughs> Not quite five. Uh, 80s reference there. No, a um, couple things stood out to me. Number one is the fact that Mark mentioned that the, the and no throw is easy. But if you have a third down play call, a very good play call, and the quarterback doesn't deliver the ball to the back coming out of the backfield on a wheel route or tight end that's open. Screen. A screen, whatever the case may be, it's going to look bad. I, Looking back at the game, I don't think Brian Ferentz called as bad a game as everyone thought he did. It's just that the fun, the fundamentals weren't there and the execution wasn't there. Now the offensive line had a part in that. There's no doubt. But when Spencer Peters had time, he needs to deliver the ball, especially in third down situations. And South Dakota State, very good football team, but they're not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not Wisconsin. They're not even Iowa State, uh, which is coming in to Kenick on Saturday. you got to make those throws on third down especially. And as Mark said, there was a throw late in the game to Sam Laporta that was pro quarterbacks couldn't make that. Mm-hmm. And he made it. 
And it just that's what kind of makes you shake your head a little bit more, even, that he has the ability. When he plants his feet, when he gets everything fundamentally good, he's a good quarterback with a big arm. Needs to do that more often. I'm not concerned about the offense at all. Does that sound strange to say? It, it does. Well, convince I me. <laughs> convince you. Yeah, far be it from me to be the guy that's that's the pro Iowa guy in the room. Uh, South Dakota State knew that Iowa was without how many receivers last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, uh, Gavin Williams is out at game time. They know Spencer Petras isn't a mobile quarterback. They've got a good defensive unit. I was there to game plan. I mean, John Stiegelmeyer had been the coach there for 24 years. I think he knew what he was doing last week. I don't think there's a better quarterback on the Iowa roster right now than Spencer Petras. So do we see another quarterback play? I think maybe we see Alex Padilla today, especially if Spencer starts off slow. Uh, Brian Ferentz made that comment earlier in the week. He certainly seems more open to making a change than his father does at this point. But my level of concern, can't really lose any sleep over it because it's not the NFL. You can't go out and get somebody off the waiver wire. So this is what they have. The offensive line needs to get better. Mm -hmm. I think the quarterback play will get better with the offensive line. Uh, But get healthy. They need to get healthy. And then I think you can judge this offense uh, as a whole and as a unit doesn't look great right the early returns are not promising right now to underscore todd's point if you look at any of the film the jacks put eight or ten in the box mm-hmm. a lot yep. and dared iowa to run or dared petrus to beat them uh, it turned out Iowa was stubborn running play between the tackles and three and out a lot of times the offensive line which todd alluded to He had Colby out at tackle, played tackle in high school, Mm -hmm. but has been a guard up till now. He's listed on the depth chart at guard this week. That's the first thing that needs to be sorted out in my mind. Mm -hmm. Get your five best guys out there, get some chemistry, and get rolling. Todd, you mentioned uh, briefly what Brian Ferentz had to say about a potential quarterback change, and and his father, Kirk, was asked about a potential quarterback change uh, here uh, this week uh, and and asked if uh, Spencer Petrus has a short leash for Saturday's contest, and here's what Kirk had to say in response to that question. Well, I mean, our, our intention right now is to go out and play, and uh, you know, we'll evaluate, evaluate everything as it comes, but like that's not prominent in my thoughts right now. My thoughts are more just in terms of our entire group. Uh, hopefully we can give them a plan that they can execute well, and uh, you know, if we play well cohesively, I expect him to play well in his role, and that's, that's the biggest thing right now is give him a little bit more help. Kirk Ferentz from Tuesday uh, asked again, is there a short leash uh, leash for Spencer Petrus uh, in Saturday's game against Iowa State? And uh, Todd, you kind of uh, half answered the question, but I'll go around uh, again and ask, should there be a short leash for Spencer Spencer Petrus if we see the same struggles Mm -hmm. we saw from last Saturday against South Dakota State? uh, is Is it time to at least see what Alex Padilla can do again for this Iowa football team? What do you think? Well, we saw what he could do last year, and he was 55 of 112, which wasn't fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he had his moments, and he also 
had moments where he, he didn't look like he was the answer. And we don't know anything about Joe Labus, right. the guy who's number three on the depth chart. I don't care how many open kids' day practices you go to or anything <laughs> like that. You're watching a practice. So at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I do have a feeling that if Spencer Petras struggles Saturday against Iowa State, he's not going to finish the game. Or they'll they'll figure out a way to rotate him and, and Alex Pidiot. Just a, a gut feeling, listening to Brian Ferentz, listening to Kirk, doesn't necessarily seem like those guys are on the same page. And I don't know, maybe there's – if there's not right now, will there be, if there are struggles this week, at the, an internal struggle between what the offensive coordinator wants to do and what the head coach wants to do? I think that – I'm with Todd. I think if the offense continues to struggle, and especially if, if they are behind – Need a little bit of a spark. Second half, whatever the case may be, I think you look at a change. Petrus is the guy. He's won the job. We have to take Kirk Ferentz for his word. We have to take Brian Ferentz for his word. They had a competition. Spencer Petrus won it. Does that mean he doesn't have room to improve? No. But it could happen if needed, and if Iowa needs a charge, we could see a Padilla. Uh, we're not going to see Labus. Unless they both get hurt, which you know would be a bad situation there, but then, it, then it's DefCon five. <laughs> and then it could be DefCon five, uh, but I think if as long as I was in the game, winning, it's whatever, close, playing decent. Uh, I think Iowa sticks with Spencer Peters. It's not in the Ferentz mo to switch quarterbacks. You know, we had this controversy about with Jake Rudock and C.J. Bethard, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. That was a good debate mm-hmm. back in the day. And Bethard eventually was named in the offseason as starting quarterback for the following year. <clears throat> Rudock goes to, to Michigan. Um, but I you know, I agree with Scott I mean, in, in terms of if I was behind and needs a spark, why not throw Padilla in there and see what he can do? And, and to Todd's point, Padilla was, well... Had his moments. Had his moments both ways. Yep. So you've got to – you may not like it. You need to trust Kirk, Brian, mm-hmm. in their decision-making and practice and whatnot. Might not agree. Might not like it. But they see more than we do. Well, let's dive into uh, the matchup here this week. Mm-hmm. Iowa and Iowa State. Again, the Hawkeyes looking for their seventh straight win. The first time – this game is being played in Iowa City since 2018. Kind of crazy to say that, but of course, uh, you know we don't need to rehash the uh, pandemic uh, season that uh, changed uh, how, how the season was played out. They did not play in 2020, so just carried over, and they played at Ames last year. Uh, and uh, the Hawkeyes uh, riding that win streak uh, into uh, this uh, this game here on Saturday. Iowa State last week, guys, a win over SEMO, 42-10. to I'm not sure there's much you could take away from a win over SEMO. SEMO not at the same level as... Uh, South Dakota State when it comes to FCS teams, but Cyclones look pretty good. Hunter Decker's in his first start uh, with, what, four touchdown passes. Xavier Hutchinson caught uh, caught three of them. They look pretty solid, and uh, I think they're riding a little bit of confidence uh, coming into uh, coming into this game here this weekend. Uh, your thoughts on, uh, on Iowa State and what they bring to the table here uh, in 2022? Well, we had a poll question earlier this week, which fan base should feel better about their team at this point, one game in. It's got to be Iowa State, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
Um, Deckers was good. Hutchinson was good. Brock was good. Uh, running back. The defense made some plays. But you're right, Spencer. SEMO is kind of a middling FCS team. So take that under, under consideration. They have to be feeling better than Iowa at this point. At least the fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And the thing that really struck me about Iowa State and their win was the fact that they got better as the game went on. A um, lot of guys were getting their first starts. Uh, a couple offensive linemen, a couple of wide receivers, new running back in there. A lot of defensive guys were getting their first start. And they they had their their moments and problems early. I mean, Simo went down uh, on the opening drive, got it within the 20, and was moving methodically. Iowa State did get a pick at that point. Not that Simo was going to win the game or anything like that, but still, um, Iowa State's defense got better as the game progressed. Iowa State's offense, Deckers, got better as the game progressed. Uh, one of the things I'm going to be looking for on Saturday today is the fact that what is Iowa going to Iowa doesn't like to vary from what they do, and that is the fact that uh, they don't do a lot of double teaming, but boy, oh boy. They might not see, outside of Ohio State, a wide receiver that has the talent of Xavier Hutchinson. I don't know, even with Riley Moss, if you want to go one-on-one with him. Um, That's going to be the thing I'm going to see coming up. I thought Iowa State looked good. I thought Iowa State looked good. South Dakota State did get deep once and in the clear. And the quarterback overthrew the receiver. So, that was a bit alarming. Didn't hurt. No. In the end, they won. <laughs> Iowa won. So I think that's all that matters. Todd, what do you think about the Cyclones last week? I think Xavier Hutchinson's a hell of a receiver. Iowa's going to have their hands full with him today. And my big question mark on Saturday is Hunter Deckers making his first career start on the road mm-hmm. in an environment like Kinnick Stadium. I've, I've been around enough of these Iowa-Iowa State games to know what that stadium will sound like and be like Saturday afternoon, and I think anybody that's looking past that, saying, hey, he's got to start under his belt, and no, it's no big deal. Look at South Dakota State and how many times that they were struggling with the crowd on Saturday, the false starts and, and things of that nature. I think there's going to be an adjustment period for Hunter Deckers on Saturday with the Hawkeyes and, and the Kinnick Stadium crowd, and if you want to Say that Tory Taylor and the Iowa crowd are going to be one A and one B in, in helping Iowa win that game. Uh, I think that may very well turn out to be the case. But Hunter Deckers looks like the real deal. He looks like a good quarterback, but I just that's a tough spot to be in to make your first road start. Yeah, he, he got his feet wet last year. Mm-hmm. for different circumstances, but right. he knows what the black and gold look like. Yeah, came up and mop uh, came in and mop up duty mm-hmm. uh, in Ames. Iowa had the game well in hand, but threw a nice touchdown pass uh, in his time in the game. Uh, Iowa ended up winning that game, of course, and like I said, have won uh, six straight uh, in in the series. Kayvon Merriweather from uh, the uh, the Doughboys, the Iowa defensive backs, uh, uh, had uh, some thoughts about the Iowa State offense and Xavier Hutchinson. Here's what he had to say this week in Iowa City. Uh, I think you know we kind of seen the same things we saw last year. Uh, definitely a team that could definitely hit you with a deep ball. They have a really good running back, a, a good quarterback. So I think they're an all around well well rounded team. So I think you know we just have to continue to do what we what we do every single year and just come out execute execute our game plan. They got a good receiver in Hutchinson. They're going to go to a lot uh, as as a defensive back. Do you like that kind of? challenge oh yeah most definitely i think you know we always love a challenge of playing uh, playing a really good street of receiver especially a receiver that you know they love to target a lot so i think we'll definitely have our hands full of hutchinson this weekend 
Kayvon Merriweather talking at Iowa City about the Iowa State offense uh, earlier this week. One of the key things that I uh, heard about and read about this week, just looking at this matchup, uh, turnovers. I know Matt Campbell was asked about this in Ames earlier this week. Iowa has not committed a turnover in this series since 2015, which is a crazy stat to think and uh, to, to think about. Uh, and and controlling the football, playing mistake-free football, you hear that so much from from Kirk Ferentz and, and Brian Ferentz and the players too. But to go that long without a without a turnover in the series really has meant uh, meant the success in this series. And you look at uh, Iowa's game last year. They scored 20 of the 27 points they scored in in the 10-point victory off of turnovers in Ames last year. So a big key, and Todd, you mentioned the crowd noise, getting to Hunter Deckers, causing you know false starts, and uh, you know Torrey Taylor's punting, pinning them deep. An opportunity here for this Iowa defense to really cause some havoc, create some turnovers, either score on those turnovers or uh, set up your offense uh, with, with some good field position. I think that's definitely one of the keys, and, and we're going to continue to see that be one of the keys uh, in the series, especially this week. I think the turnover thing is a black cloud hanging over Iowa State in this series right mm-hmm. now. And if it just so happens Saturday, early on, Iowa makes something happen on defense, a fumble recovery, an interception, if they can take something on defense and turn it into points – if you're Iowa State, I think you can't help but start thinking about, like, here we go again, another mm-hmm. turnover. And, and and so I think they need to address that. Iowa State needs to take care of the football and not make mistakes. That's why Iowa's, Iowa's won six in a row mm-hmm. in this series. Yep. Plain and simple. Uh, it has caused turnovers, has not committed them, equals victories. Defensive touchdowns, big plays. Mm-hmm. Whether it be an offense enough to, I mean, they've been outgained in these games yeah. before, but big plays to set things up uh, for a a score, and that's what Iowa has done. And yeah, Iowa State is, uh, but I also think Iowa State is in a good situation. They had all of the pressure in the world on them last year going into this game because okay, Matt Campbell, you haven't beaten Iowa. Uh, you are top ten preseason in the country you were picked to by some people win the big 12 things didn't play out and this was kind of the start of the unraveling if you will of the season last year not that it was a bad season but it wasn't what cyclone fans expected and um, they need but now there is no pressure on them mm-hmm. and i think they come in here with a, a lot of house money into into iowa city yeah, you're breaking in a new running back, very good one, Jirel Brock. Of course, Hunter Decker stepping in for Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of almost what we talked about. I know we briefly mentioned it when we were previewing the season for the Hawkeyes last year. Maybe you know they're they're a better team and they check off one or two of those milestones they haven't checked off under Matt Campbell just with different players. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. We'll get our predictions here in just a bit, but. Uh, you know, there's there's still a lot of uh, still a lot of unknowns with this Iowa State team, just like uh, just like with uh, certain parts of the Iowa team as well. Uh, before we get to our predictions, do you want to take a look at the rest of the Big Ten uh, guys? I don't know if you've taken a look at the slate, but really Iowa Iowa State might be the highlight game of the Big Ten slate. Of course, it's all non-conference up and down the line uh, this week, but uh, some games that probably going to be blowouts, some games that might be close, but. Not the best competition. 
Things getting started uh, early uh, Saturday morning. Ohio State, uh, number two ranked in the country, taking on Arkansas State and Columbus. You've also got Minnesota and Western Illinois. Duke and Northwestern playing each other at Ryan Field and Evanston. And then Penn State and Ohio. The afternoon slate along with Iowa, Iowa State. You've got Wisconsin playing host to Washington State. A little Big, Tw- Big Ten Pac-12, the Alliance. Kind of a preview there. Maybe no, no, maybe. I don't know. Uh, that's a 2.30. Maryland, for whatever reason, traveling to UNC Charlotte. I don't know who at the Terps uh, agreed to play at the uh, their Conference USA school, if I remember right. That's a 2.30. Michigan State hosting Akron. Illinois and Virginia. little Big Ten ACC challenge there. Purdue and uh, Rutgers both hosting FCS teams in Indiana State and Wagner, respectively. Is Nebraska on upset alert against Georgia Southern? They're a good team. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Southern's, Southern's good. a good team. North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks, gave them a, a battle last week at Lincoln, but I think Nebraska should pull that one off. Michigan and Hawaii. Hawaii's not very good this year, and Michigan put up 51 on Colorado State last week. I have to see... Uh, what they do to Hawaii this week in the big house. And then wrapping things up, the Battle of the Eyes, Indiana and Idaho. The Hoosiers looking to go to 2-0 and as they take on the Vandals. That's a 7 o'clock kick under the lights over in Bloomington. Let's look at the Big Ten. Guys, it's prediction time. Going to hold your feet to the fire. Do the Cyclones break the streak? Do they win or do the Hawkeyes defend uh, the home turf this week? Uh, we'll start with Todd. Todd, what do you think? I am drawing inspiration from that 2009 season that's come up a lot this week. Iowa struggled against UNI and then turned around and beat Iowa State 35-3 to the following weekend. So I'm borrowing from the score of that Iowa-UNI game in 2009. I'm going to go with Iowa winning 17-16 over Iowa State. There's a little bit of Bob Brooks in there, our late great friend. If he didn't, I don't think he ever predicted Iowa would lose a game, but if it was a one-point victory for the Hawkeyes, it meant that maybe he wasn't quite so confident. I'm not confident that this isn't the year that Matt Campbell gets that monkey off his back, but I've also covered this team for 23 years, and I know that when you think you've got them figured out and and you think you know what they are, they will surprise you. So I would not be surprised if Iowa wins this game. This is, uh, there have been a lot of Seahawks games, no doubt. And I think this is the one that I have the least confidence going into as far as making a prediction about. And Iowa State looked good, but. They were supposed to look good last week. Iowa, despite all the offensive woes, still two of the three facets of the game looked really, really good. Iowa has to win a low-scoring game in this one. If this thing goes above 25, I'm not sure Iowa can can get things done. I said Iowa would score defensively last week. They did it twice. Not going to go out on a limb again and say Iowa's going to score defensively. Uh, but I think Iowa's going to hold on. I think Iowa's going to hold on. I'm going to go 19-14 with four field goals. Don't ask me who's kicking them, but Iowa's going to make four <laughs> field goals. Mark, your thoughts? This has been one of the quietest Iowa State weeks I can remember. Go on and Twitter. there's some kind well, <laughs> I don't hear that noise, but um, usually there's some kind of controversy. Nothing. This this is going to be a low-scoring game. In fact, I'm not telling Todd anything. 90% of the money is on the under right now, under 40. And most people are backing Iowa State. 
as am I. I think it's a low-scoring game. Iowa State wins 13-10. All right. We have we have a Cyclone predictor here on the Hawkeye podcast, mm-hmm. but hey, that's why we, we do this show. Is together. that is that in overtime, 13-10? Three overtimes. <laughs> <laughs> How does Iowa get to 10? <laughs> Five, five safeties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what we wish for. Be careful what we wish for. Uh, I, I, like kind of like what Todd said. I'm not confident that this this isn't the year that uh, Matt Campbell uh, uh, gets off gets off the Schneid and, and breaks the streak. I could totally see that happening if if Iowa's offensive line woes from last week stick around. Uh, and the quarterback play does not improve. Uh, I, I could totally see Iowa State winning this one. Uh, maybe not, you know, by by fifteen twenty points, but but I could see them winning this one relatively comfortably uh, if Iowa doesn't get things figured out. I agree, though, that uh, that this is an Iowa team that, you know, like, like Todd said, if once you you think you have them figured out, they they, they prove you wrong. And I think they win. I think they win in a close one. I had them winning in the uh, uh, in my season predictions that we shared last week. So I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a close one. I say sixteen thirteen. Hawkeyes uh, Hawkeyes get the win. Now this game's going over, right? Over the number forty two thirty five. We're going to see forty four forty one for a third time of the rivalry. Now that we've all predicted uh, predicted a low scoring. Lowest scoring affair, but uh, guys, uh, appreciate it. We'll reconvene next week for the uh, the Nevada Wolfpack night game at uh, Kinnick Stadium, and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. To everybody out there listening or watching on the uh, KGYM Facebook page, for uh, Todd, Scott, and Mark, I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining the Before the Boom podcasts from KGYM. KGYM Sports Radio brings you the best in Iowa football pregame programming with the Before the Boom podcast. Listen to the podcast each week before Iowa takes the field. Available on the KGYM app or wherever you get your podcasts.